Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. To hear more sermons and to find out more about our church, please visit sugarhillchurch.com. We're continuing today in our study, Risk. What does it take for us to be able to give God our all? And we're in Luke chapter 9, Matthew, Mark, Luke, third book in the New Testament. In chapter 9, we're focusing on verses 57 through 62 today, Luke chapter 9, 57 through 62. Have you ever known a complete control freak? Okay, just get them in your mind, right? I know, some of you are nudging the person next to you. I get it. Um, You ever find yourself being a control freak? I mean, you know them when you see them, don't you? I struggle with God's sense of economy, cash, credit, and control. Cash, who's going to pay for it? Credit, who's going to get it? and control who has it. I constantly struggle with, that, with God's sense of that economy. There are a lot of folks like me who want full control of their life, and when we refuse to surrender to the Lord Jesus and we don't listen to God's instruction for our life, it is pretty clear we crash and burn. And I, I, I told you last week, I, it seems like I have a master's degree in failure, but, but I also have a, I have a, I think I have an MDiv in crashing and burning, because it, I, I live my life often like the people of Israel. I mean, don't you ever wonder, wh- why did these people wander for 40 years? What in the world? I mean, they would have seasons where they got right with God and life was good, and then all of a sudden they'd fall away, and, and just think about your own life. Think about mine. We, we tend to live these roller coaster Christian lives, oftentimes because of two words, the differences in two words. It's common in a church like ours to be able to say, I'm going to commit my life to Jesus. We say stuff like that. I mean, our, our kids went to youth camp this past week, and many of them committed their lives. Or we, we use this term in church, we recommit our lives to Christ. And we say those kind of things, I commit my life to Jesus. But you've heard that word, we've said it over and over and over again. But there's a difference between commitment and surrender. Matter of fact, I think commitment and surrender are radically two different words. When you make a commitment, you're still in control no matter how noble the thing you commit to. You, you commit to pray, you commit to Bible study, you commit to coming to church, you commit to give, you commit to car payments, you commit to losing weight, you commit. But now the difference is surrender is radically different. If somebody walks in here and puts a gun in my face and says, I'm going to hold you up, surrender, what do I do? Yikes, I surrender all, right? I mean, there's a difference. I mean, I can say, well, I want to commit that I'm going to give you money when I get paid next time while he's got the gun. What does he do? Shoot me. But if I surrender, I give up. You have whatever I have. Are you with me? Okay. Now, it's interesting that in these passages, Jesus tells us kind of a picture of Sugar Hill Church where we have a lot of commitment, maybe not a lot of surrender. Now, lest you think I'm here to bark at you, I want you to know this is kind of a picture of my life too a time in which when I commit, I live a roller coaster Christian life. When I surrender, when I'm all in, it seems like I'm living in the blessing of God. And that's true for almost all of us. So here at Sugar Hill Church, we got plenty of commitment. We just need a little surrender. But to have surrender means we're all in. We must surrender. I mean, what a better place than the start at the beginning there in verse 57. We must submit our life to Jesus. As they were traveling on the road, someone said to him, speaking to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus told him, foxes have dens, birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Now this guy comes to Jesus and he says, Lord, I'll follow you anywhere. 
I'm committing to follow you anywhere. And Jesus comes back to him and says, I don't think you understand that cost. When we were in Cuba, and we would go and work with a church, and they would line up appointment after appointment. You go into this home that had no electricity, no water, and, and you just walk into the home, and you begin to share with them through a, through a translator about Jesus, and they were baffled by it. Because on the mantle of almost every home in Cuba, what you would find is you'd have a little bit of voodoo, and you'd have a statue of Mary. And so that, that was kind of their worship model. So when you come in there talking to them about women, here's grace and love and forgiveness and a way that Jesus allows for you to have life in abundance today and eternity forever, they listen. And it's like, yeah, I'm all in. Now, that church doesn't consider that person a member of the church until not only have they gone through one year of discipleship one-on-one, -on -one, but then that person has shared their faith story with someone else. Now they're a member. Now there's a difference between our commitment and their surrender. Are you with me? And so you look at this and you say, well, what, what on earth could we be looking at? Well, Webster says surrender is this, the action of yielding one's person or giving up the possession of something, especially into the power of another. Now think about that. Into the power of another. And so surrender is illustrated really in the actions of James and John after Jesus called them to be his disciples over in Mark chapter 1. Jesus called James and John and they submitted their lives to him. So what did Jesus do? He walked by the seashore. He looks at James and John and he says, come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. All right. Now, we say this all the time, but I want to make sure you get it. If we understand the context in which it was written then, we can now understand the context in which it was written for us today. Are you with me? So the context it was written in then is that Jesus, who began his ministry as a rabbi, as a teacher of the law, looked at two boys and said, come follow me. Now, boys who had gone to school and learned Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. If they were the top of their class, they went on and learned the rest of the Old Testament. And if they were still at the top of the class, a rabbi would say, come follow me, so that they could know what he knows, be what he is, do what he does. But if you weren't at the top of your class when you finished Genesis, Exodus, Vedics, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, you went and started to do whatever dad did. Clearly, these boys weren't top of the class because they were fishermen hanging out with dad, Right? But Jesus comes along, a rabbi who has rock star status at the time, stops at, in front of their boat and says, come follow me. They drop their nets, they left their dad, they left their job, they left their family, they left everything, and they certainly surrendered all. Why? Because it was the biggest deal ever that Jesus would pick them. Now, if you're saying, well, how does that contextually line up in my life today in 2014? Well, it's pretty simple. Jesus walked along the same seashore of your life, looked at you, and said, I pick you. All right, let me get a little more let me get personal. Jesus walked along the seashore of Alex and said, I pick you. And then loves, loves Alex enough to say, you pick. Me or the world? You pick. But I'm giving you this chance to surrender. I, I, I'm not holding you up. I'm giving you a choice to surrender. And so in the same sense that Jesus walked on the seashore, we were picked too. Jesus had come, follow me, surrendering all to Jesus. But the problem is most of us are too concerned about the things of this world. I know I am at times. In verses 59 and 60, we see that if we're going to surrender all, 
then we, ha- then we have to deny the world. I mean, we, we have to be all in and surrender, but we also must deny the world. In verse 59 and 60, then he said to another, follow me. Lord, he said, first let me go bury my father. But he told him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and spread the news of the kingdom of God. Here we have the account of another guy. Now, the first guy made an offer to Jesus. This guy receives an offer from Jesus, and Jesus makes him an offer, follow him. What a privilege this guy received. The same words that Jesus said to Peter, James, John, Andrew, Matthew, Thomas, and the others, he said to him, and he says the same to you, come follow me. And what he asked for is surrender, not commitment. Surrender. But wait a minute, you say, but why, why would Jesus say, don't go bury your dad? Listen, Jesus being the completer of the law would have loved for him to have done that. What he's saying is, this isn't about dad being buried. This is about anything that stands between you and him. I adore my wife. I adore my daughters. I adore my grandchildren. But if I don't have them in the proper relationship with me, with Christ being above all things, I'll never be right with me, and I'll never be right with them. For Jenny and I to have a healthy marriage, my relationship with Jesus has to be right. And when my relationship with Jesus is wrong, my relationship with her is wrong. You see, when we get our life right with him, all the rest of the life gets right. Like when people say, Chuck, how come you don't preach on gambling? How come you don't preach on on drinking? How come you don't preach on blah, 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 blah? Because if you get Jesus right, all those other issues get right. That's why. You see, I'm one of those guys that really does believe Jesus is enough, period. He's enough. But it's all dependent on you whether you choose to surrender to him or not. We surrender, we deny the world. Jesus is still calling us. The last great invitation in the Bible says in the book of the Revelation, chapter 22, verse 17, both the Spirit and the bride say, come. Anyone who hears should say, come. And the one who is thirsty should come. Whoever desires should also take the living water as a gift. Paul makes it even more simplistic. In Romans chapter 10, 13, he says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. In Romans 10, 9, he says, let me make it even more simple. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So if you grew up in a church that had you recite some magical prayer for you to be saved, Paul says, no. Paul says, confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, believe God raised him from the dead, saved. Why not surrender to that? I mean, I can't imagine surrendering to me. Every time I surrender to my will, my life goes in the tank. Every time I surrender to his will, it seems as though God has this wonderful, extraordinary plan. But he lets us pick. Now, you think about it and you say, but Chuck, I'm this close. What's the distance here is the difference between your head knowledge and your heart. And the ability to say, not only do I surrender my heart, I surrender my head, my head and my heart, and I shorten that difference. But there's obstacles to following Jesus. I mean, we're to be all in. We're to surrender. We're to deny this world. But there's obstacles. Lord, let me go bury my father, and then I'm yours. I mean, Jesus is telling this guy, let the spiritually dead bury the natural dead. What would hinder you from surrendering all to Jesus? Because it's not about the guy burying his dad. It's about whatever it is between you and God. I I know folks that, that today 
are with travel baseball teams but won't worship for the next six months because they're traveling all, all the time. I know folks who are in the office today get a head start on tomorrow rather than worshiping today. I mean, I, I, you know I don't need to go on, right? But you say, well, what, what are those things that keep us from that? Well, our personal desires, our family obligations, our social expectations. I mean, we see it in all these things. There's things we all want to accomplish, aren't they? I mean, there are things we want to do. There are places we want to go. There are people we want to meet. I mean, everywhere you turn around, you see, well, there's, this is what I want. I, but the problem is we never surrender all if we let our personal desires and our personal drivenness get between us and God. And that's because these things we often refuse to surrender all to Christ with, it, we can't have it both ways. We can't, we, can't just, we can't just say, I'm all in, I want to deny the world and not surrender all to Christ and expect him to do, do everything. I mean, what we're saying is, Lord, I'm going to take three steps, but I'm going to control this part of my life. And the Lord says, I either have it all or I have nothing. I have it all or I've got nothing. Sometimes we got family obligations. We understand where this guy's coming from. I mean, his dad had passed away. He wanted to go bury him. The problem isn't they wanted to bury his dad. The problem was he was giving Jesus a postponed commitment instead of a complete surrender. You see, partial surrender equals total dis disobedience. I mean, I really do. I find myself, and, and, I, and I watch y'all. Most of us live roller coaster Christian lives. I mean, we're up a little while, and we're down. Our kids came back from youth camp this week. You know, it's just, yay, Jesus, right? Go, God, yay, right? And then, and then in a few weeks, what's going to happen? I'm in the valley. I'm hanging out, man. You know, you do the same thing, too. Well, I do. This is a tweetable thought. Are you ready? If you're taking notes, grab this one. Surrender breeds consistency. Surrender breeds consistency. If you're looking for consistency in your Christian walk, in your faith, in your walk in life, surrender all. You don't surrender, you're not consistent. And you say, well, Chuck, that's easy for you to say. You got Rever in front of your name. Listen, I'm as messed up as you are. I'm on the same roller coaster. Every day, I have to surrender. Every hour, I have to surrender. Every, every minute, I have to surrender. But we've got to focus on the things of God. In verse 61, it said, Another also said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go and say goodbye to those at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one puts his hand to the plow and looks back. It's fit for the kingdom of God. I mean, this demands proper Christianly priorities. It's like riding a bicycle when you're a kid and you turn and look backward. What happened? You crash. Jesus is using the context of plowing straight. In our world, you're driving a car forward and you're looking back. What's going to happen? Problems. And what he's saying is, if you're going to always look backward, you're going to have misplaced priorities. I mean, we've got to keep our eyes on the author and the finisher of our faith. Our priorities have to be straight or we'll never be where God wants us to be. We've got to be able to do that. But here's what most of us do. And I think this is just in our human nature. But I do it too. I mean, we say things like, you know, when the time is right, I'll surrender my life. Uh, when the time is right. Or we say things like, well, when, when I finish sowing my wild oats and I get to have my time in the sun, then I'll surrender my life. Or, or I tell you what, after I've met this goal, made this amount of money, or bought that house, then I'll surrender all. Or, or I love this one. After I get myself cleaned up and I kick that habit, then I'll come. And Jesus says, I want you to come just like you are and surrender all. And I'll take all your mess and we'll get that fixed. 
But Jesus, I want, I want to get fixed up. Then he says, then surrender all. But Jesus, I, I want to get over the top of the hill. Surrender all. But Jesus, I want to get rid of that fear in my life. Then surrender all. On Fifth Avenue in New York City, in front of the RCA building, is this picture of uh, Atlas holding the world. And if you've been there, you, you can see the strain on his face as he's holding the world on his shoulders. Some of you are trying to hold the world on your shoulders. And you're straining under the weight of this world. When Hector talked about what he's fearful of, I've got mine. And there are times I strain under the weight of the world. Andrew Murray once said, living the Christian life is impossible alone. If you walk across the street from that statue of Atlas into St. Patrick's Cathedral, you find a short little statue of Jesus at about eight or nine years old holding the globe in his hand. And I guess I would ask me and I would ask you today, you want to carry the world on your shoulders? Or do you want to let the one who calmed the sea, who spoke the world into creation, who was born of a virgin, who died and shed his blood that you might have life, that rose from the grave, that sits by the Father and awaits for you in glory? Or do you want him to hold you in the palm of his hand? And for me, it's pretty easy to say, all to Jesus, I surrender. Lord, I give myself to you. Fill me with your love and power and let your blessing fall on me. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. So it's your serve. It's your call. Do I take the risk and surrender, or do I just hold the world on my shoulders? So I'm going to ask you to do something a little different today. We've done everything else different today. In just a minute, Hector's going to lead us in an old hymn. We don't do a lot of those around here. He's going to lead us in an old hymn called I Surrender All. And there's some of you here today, and for the first time in your life, you need to surrender and say, I believe Jesus died for me and he rose for me, and I want to give my life to him. And I'm going to ask you just meet me right here in the middle in a minute, and I'll pray with you. Some of you maybe need to come back to this altar. Maybe some of you should have come earlier and you need to come. And you just need to say, I surrender all. I, I, I give up. I, I'm, giving, I'm giving it all. But I'm going to ask others of you to do something as an act of surrender as well. We, we have hundreds and hundreds of children in our community in desperate need as we get ready for school. And so I've put three baskets, one on the stairs and two on this side, one on the stairs over there and two on this side. And I'm going to ask you just grab something green in your pocket or write a check during this time of invitation. I'm just going to ask you to just bring it and drop it in that basket. I'm going to ask you if you want to give your life to Christ. Maybe you want to join this church. Maybe you want someone to pray with. I'll just meet you right here. Dr. Ron's here, and if more come, he'll come join us. But I surrender all. And that's what I'd say to you. It's your time. Father, today, as we prepare to serve you and surrender to you, 
God, would you call us to give graciously and surrender all? Would you call us to take our heart and our head and surrender all? All to you, our precious Savior. We pray all these things.